Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome, everybody, to the Playing Hooky Podcast. My name is Rachel. And I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, so, Nate, it's been a hot minute since we have recorded this podcast, and I know you've addressed it in your other podcasts, yeah. but why don't you tell the audience real quick on why we had such a long break right. in our recording schedule, and then maybe also delight the listeners with the tale of um, the downstairs neighbor troll. <laughs> the, the troll downstairs? Well, I don't know that he was necessarily a troll. Um so much as he was kind of just an asshole. Um, but basically we, we moved, um, we, we were dwelling together in a one bedroom apartment and it was sufficient when I moved in, but, um, you know, we were trying to make recording a podcast work, make recording video work. And, um, we kind of mentioned it in our previous podcast because we, we had, we didn't record video last time. We kind of like were in the process of packing up and, um, you know, breaking down everything, but now we kind of, um, it's almost like we have a studio here in this new place. Yeah. I mean, it was a good move for us for a lot of reasons, but, um, yeah, I don't know, like, just the downstairs neighbor was really loud and noisy, and it was getting to the point where, you know, you work third shift, and mm-hmm. you weren't getting any sleep for yeah. a lot of reasons in that apartment. Um, it was on a noisy corner in kind of a bar district, but then also our neighbor was really noisy, and, you know, he, he probably... <laughs> needs to have some counseling. But, (laughs) you (laughs) know, I mean, I've been in my early 20s and frustrated as well. So I understand probably where he's coming from. But yeah, you know, when someone is like screaming at the top of their lungs to someone on the phone and talking about how they're going to kill everybody, it just might not be someone you want as a downstairs neighbor. (laughs) We we, kind of mentioned before, like, um, you know, we kind of like took the high road and um, we'd complained. And then the dude like came and knocked on our door. Like, yeah. like at 11 o'clock in the morning and was like, woke you up, right? Woke me up, you know, yeah. because again, you know, I work third shift, like I'm, I'm asleep at 11 o'clock in the morning and woke me up and was like, did you, did you, co- you know, call and complain about me? And, you know, my, my initial instincts were just to be like, to tell him to fuck off and close the door. But then I was like, I was like, no, I like, I did complain about you. Yeah. Like, like I complained about you because you're a psycho and you like, you're you act in a way that is like counter to people wanting to come and talk to you as a person. So, um, yeah, long story short, um, we, between then and now we, uh, we recorded a podcast, which is up, hopefully you've already listened to it. And then we sort of broke everything down and moved all of our stuff from a one bedroom apartment to, um, like this is still a one bedroom place, but it is a significantly larger place. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a duplex in a house. It's in a, you know, pretty, pretty nice older house. Yeah. It has like kind of a cool early 1910s, 1920s feel to it. Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's a pretty cool studio. So that's exciting. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so 
feel bad for you because you've already moved once in a year and yeah. then you're moving twice. Yeah, but and it's, I mean, it, it's worth the the effort. And, and here's the funny part about it. Like we moved like five blocks away from where we were at. So it's right. not like, it's very close. I, I didn't have to relearn anything. I didn't, because <laughs> like just down the street. I, do, I don't know my address from memory yet though, because okay. I'm bad at remembering addresses. You're so bad at remembering most, most everything. things. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's definitely like a Nathan trait, but that's yeah. okay. That's, I have a very, like, I have decent, like, long-term memory, I guess, but, like, my short-term memory is for shit. Yeah, like, I it, like, called yesterday. I, I went to the gym, and then we were going to run to the store right when I got home, and I, I just called him real quick. I'm like, hey, can you grab a bottle of water for me? And you're like, sure, I got it. No problem. You come out, and you get in the car, and you get you buckle up. And you're like, shit, I forgot your water. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> it was, like, literally, like, five minutes. In five right. minutes, you forgot to do it. I had moved it from where it was to the door yeah. and then forgot on the way out the door to grab the bottle yeah. of water. So it's, yeah, um, bad it's memory. A, it's definitely a quirk. Well, one thing I want to do before I forget mm -hmm. is to thank a listener who left us a review on our iTunes page. Read the review. Um, do you have the so review? It, it is, I do. Um, the the person is Joel4252, who I feel like maybe follows the us on Twitter. I can't it's, be sure. It's easy for to sure. keep track of when there's only like 60 people. Yeah, yeah. We don't have a lot of Twitter <laughs> followers, but I'm pretty sure he does. And he, the review is A plus podcast. Another great podcast from UML. So well, thank that's, you. Yeah, that's yeah, very sweet. Yeah. So please feel free to rate us on iTunes. Everything you do helps us out and helps us reach a wider audience. Really, we're just two nerds who talk about the crap we love and like, why would you want to listen to that? I don't know. You guys tell us right. and give us positive right. reviews. Um, uh, and tell us how we can improve. You yeah, know? definitely. We, we know that this is, um, so this is all like, in case you guys weren't aware, this is all a grand experiment because, you know, your boy Nate is an amateur broadcaster and a professional podcaster. <laughs> Technically, I'm a professional broadcaster. You're a professional broadcaster, and an amateur, amateur podcaster. podcaster. <laughs> but, you know, like all things, he's a very creative person and this is his passion. And um, he would love and I would love it for him if, if this could be his full time gig. But there's no way that's going to happen unless you guys voice your support and let the world know that you like the shit that yeah. he makes. So. Well, and, and the other thing, too, like this is something that I feel like goes unsaid, especially in like smaller genre specific podcasts podcasts. Um, you know, if you have a thing that you are doing and you're trying to promote as well, like hit us up because yeah. if it's something that we like, you know, we'd be willing to, you know, cross promote, cross pollinate. That's what I mean. Like that we can't like, to me, I don't understand why people would ever not want to work with other people in mm -hmm. like their preferred industry, whether it's comic books or gaming or, or whatever it is, because like, we're all trying to send our message to a wider audience. Right. So, you know, this particular podcast doesn't have an exceptional amount of listeners or an exceptional amount of like followers, but, but like we have a pretty decent sizable podcast where we talk about vampire, the masquerade, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have, on two different occasions created ads for people, mm -hmm. um, either just because, you know, they had a thing and they sent me a sweatshirt or right. like, you know, there was a game that they were running that we went to, you know? So, um, yeah, long story short, if you have a thing and you like our podcast, send us your thing. And if we like it, we'll talk about your thing. Yeah. I mean, if we're cool enough to promote El Yucateco, 
Right. We're cool enough to promote your cool stuff. <laughs> right. So right, uh, don't so. be don't be shy and, and and feel free to reach out to us on social media. Um, but what are we talking about today, Nate? So um, we're talking about uh, two different things. First thing we're talking about is a band that you like. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if it's the first thing we're talking about, but the first thing I'm going to mention is a band that you like that you sort of brought to the table to me mm-hmm. um, called Flogging Molly. Right. Uh, which was a band I had heard of, but was not familiar with their music. Okay. And then the second thing that we're talking about is a movie called Lords of Chaos that we went and saw, which is music. Uh, it's a movie about black metal. Right. It's a, it, it's it's definitely more than that, and we'll get into it and what what it actually is. Yeah. Um, but that we're gonna talk about those two things: the sure. Lords of Chaos movie, and then the documentary that I watched with you, which I believe was called. It's called Whiskey, Whiskey. on a Sunday. Yeah, I was gonna yeah say. which I think it is is one of their one of their title of one of their songs. I think off their third album. But the the way this all kind of unfolded was I get home from work one day and Nate's like, "We're going to see a movie on Wednesday," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, what movie?" And he's like, "It's called Lords of Chaos. It's about black metal. It's about the black metal church built burnings in the early '90s." And I'm like, "Oh, delightful. Okay." <laughs> and um, turns out that uh, you, you guys may have already heard about it. It came out on February 8th. Um, and I believe now you can download it and watch it on iTunes and some streaming platforms. It yeah. also had like a limited theatrical release. Right. Um, but Indie Film Festival had a special event uh, in mid-February where they screened the movie um, at a location in Indianapolis, I believe called The White Rabbit, which mm-hmm. is sort of a cabaret theater. There's a lot of, um, oh, what's it called? I want to say bordello, but that's the wrong word. Um you know, a, a burlesque dancing yeah. um, that happens there. There's also a lot of bands that play there. It's kind of like a cool, like, you know, like hipstery, alternative, kind of punky place. Yeah. There's I a mean, bar it, and a it, stage. It, it, it looks, I mean, to me, it looks like a, you know, pretty traditional, like, you know, Just bar. a small club. Right, yeah. Right, it's small. in it's in a trendier part of the city called Fountain Square. Um, so anyway, it's, it's a pretty cool place. If you're in Indianapolis, um, they usually have some cool live music there and there's a, um, some cool stuff to do in that area. But anyway, we went down there and like the the part that I was most looking forward to, because I didn't know anything about the 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 movie really or mm-hmm. what was the topics that were gonna be covered in in the movie. Um, but I was excited because opening for the movie was a local black metal band. Yeah, so that was um, that was pretty cool too. Um, that, and I, that I'd was never actually, seen I'd never seen black metal before, or like I've heard it, but I'd never seen a black metal band live. So. Um, well, it, the the really like the the draw, the appeal to going to this show was seeing a live band and seeing a movie for ten bucks. Yeah, right? that so, was yeah. So it was it was very cool, and like neither of us drink, but like we went to um, this little spot next door to it mm-hmm. um and had um i think like some cider or something yeah. yeah um so that was that was pretty cool um but uh yeah i'd never heard of the band before going to the show um and they are they're a local black metal band they're not like corpse paint black metal so for people that don't necessarily know like what even is black metal right um black metal is um you know a form of extreme metal Typically, your your vocals are going to be like a you know higher screeching mm-hmm. instead of like a low growling. However, that's not necessarily true across the board, and um, your your playing is going to be more um, like high speed mm-hmm. and less like overly complex. Um, black metal sometimes 
is like a lower quality production. It's kind of a little bit more visceral. Um, but the, the, the rules are not necessarily hard and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, it's extreme music. Truth be told, it's extreme music. It's like, it's like halfway between like really hardcore punk and thrash mm-hmm. and then halfway to death metal. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's like more stripped down than death metal. Um, if, if you want to have a conversation about the genres of metal, we could be here for fucking weeks. So because- what would be, so the, first of all, throw two names out there. So mm-hmm. that the place that we went while we were waiting for the show to start was called New Day. I think New Day, uh, Craft Mead and Cider, which mm-hmm. is also in Fountain Square in Indianapolis. And they had really good, um, like we, I think we got like a charcuterie plate because right. we were both starving and we didn't want to like drink on an empty stomach. And I mean, we do drink, but we just typically right. don't. We're, not, it's we're not, not drinkers. It's not a daily or necessarily a weekly thing for us, but it was really good. So go check them out. It's super tasty. The name of the band we saw was called Shroud of Vulture. Yeah. Um, and so if you're interested and you live in the Midwest, um, Check them out. They have a Twitter um, that's Shroud of Vulture. They were a really good band. Yeah, I think they have a demo on Bandcamp. Um, I think they have like a six-song demo uh, mm-hmm. or something like that. But, uh, I mean, you can find them on Instagram. Um, they play around uh, a lot. So yeah, um, I think definitely I've check seen... them out. You can actually download their demo on iTunes. I, that's where I downloaded it. Okay, so. cool. Um, yeah, you, you, you can get their stuff. Um, they're good. Yeah. But the cool thing was... We, we get to like sit down mm-hmm. and, um, we get, and it's a very, you know, it's kind of like a small space, mm-hmm. um, a pretty, uh, intimate space and, uh, sound wise, they sounded really good. Yeah. I was, very impressed. I was very impressed too. Um, so just so the listeners, if they don't know much about black metal, like what, and, and this could maybe kind of segue well into the movie, what's like a quintessential, like if you want to know what black metal is, what's a quintessential black metal band they should google and or go check out on youtube real quick even that's going to stir some debate but i feel like the the quintessential black metal album is probably like transylvanian hunger by dark throne okay so dark dark throne's the band i i would say like if you want to know what black metal kind of like embodies Mm -hmm. uh, you know anything from that era like um you know anything from dark throne from that era um a Blaze in the Northern Sky, Transylvanian Hunger, like these are the albums that are like going to embody it or um, anything from Mayhem because like apparently, you know, if you follow the logic, they kind of invented the the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, early Immortal, um, you know, like the, so so it, it's uh, it also is it's like a subgenre of black metal. Right. right? It's, it's like true Norwegian black metal. Right. Now. Most people, when they think of black metal that are not sort of educated in what black metal is, um, how I got my start in black metal was Cradle of Filth. That was the first black metal band I ever heard. And when I heard them, I did not like them. Okay. (laughs) And I I still don't like them to this day. It's just that sound doesn't really appeal to me. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a distinct difference if that's what you're under the impression black metal is from like... Um, Death Crush by Mayhem or D Mysteries Dom Satanis, like that. That's that's the like big Mayhem album that kind of like came out around the time that this movie takes right. place. So I'm going to repeat those so that if people are interested, they can check them out. So, uh, Dark Throne, mm-hmm. Mayhem, mm-hmm. yeah, those would be two that you could check out. You could yeah. Google to get a, a good feel for anything by Emperor. Emperor, okay, yeah. and like so, these are the bands that really are like kind of 
involved in this mm-hmm. this this movie like either in directly related or in the orbit of okay. um music by Burzum, um Satyricon um and it, it, like it goes on it goes there's, on there's, there's, there's many, a lot right, yeah but right. but if you just want to taste dark throne mayhem burzum those would be ones to check out yeah. um in a moment that and things that make you go all relationship side note when you and i first started dating uh it was like long distance and i did the girl thing where i was like can i have a t-shirt to wear to bed <laughs> and you gave me one of your favorite t-shirts that didn't fit you anymore because you had grown and it had not uh, it was a Dark Throne Transylvanian Hunger t-shirt. And yeah. so I felt very honored that you would give me that t-shirt. I mean, I, I feel like if you really want to get down to brass tacks, like that album, both in sound and imagery, are a pretty solid embodiment of like traditional Norwegian black metal. Mm. That's that's my opinion. The cool thing about black metal is, is that everyone has an opinion about it and all of them think they're right. Right. And you're a fucking idiot because you don't agree. So, <laughs> so like black metal, it's very contentious. So I, I got that impression in the movie. Um, there's a lot of talking about people who are posers. So let's, let's get into the yeah. movie. So this movie was based off of a book that was published, I think in like the uh, late nineties. Um, the book was titled Lords of Chaos and it was sort of a journalistic telling of um these church burnings and murders that happened in Norway, I think in the early nineties, right? Was it late eighties, uh, early nineties? It is. It is. Uh, it, it covers, I think like from the late eighties mm-hmm. up until the late nineties, maybe even the early two thousands. Um, it's called Lords of Chaos, the bloody rise of the satanic metal underground. Uh-huh. And the book itself is about not just the black metal scene, although a large chunk of the book is, mm-hmm. um, but it is about like, you know, how sort of like satanic metal sort of rose to, you know, somewhat prominence and like became more popular and like where it started and kind of the fundamentals of it. And then um, it does focus heavily on all the stuff that happened in Norway. It's basically, it's a book about that with like, how did we get here? Right, right. Um, So pretty interesting. I had heard of the book before and I had heard of the sort of church burnings just through passively consuming media over the years, but I didn't know much about it and I've never read the book, but now I kind of went to after seeing the movie. So the movie is a kind of, it is based off of the book. I got the impression that there are parts of it, obviously that are, you know, um, not fictionalized, but maybe like exaggerated for, for film. Um, and I was just reading some commentary, like, like you said, like mm-hmm. people who are like big metal fans are like, fuck this movie. And I'm sure there are people yeah. who were portrayed in the movie that are like, fuck this movie. Well, but I don't know. What's your thought on that? So, you know, as a complete outsider, someone who's never made music as someone who's only ever consumed it mm-hmm. as, as a fan, um, the book kind of raised a lot of contention amongst like black metal bands and people that were sort of involved in, in that Mm -hmm. scene. And everyone says it's wrong. And everyone says it's wrong for a different reason. It's that the book is wrong. Yeah. So, so, so so that the, the book, the book is wrong or the book doesn't portray things correctly or the, you know, whatever the impression that I get as a fan, as someone Mm -hmm. who's just here listening to the music and, you know, is hearing things in sort of a periphery. I understand like how ego works Mm -hmm. and I understand how like impressionable people looking to like prove themselves as being like true, you know, like it's, I make true black metal. I make true this. I, 
I, I, none of these people that are adults now could look back on that and think that like they really actually stood for the things they were talking about. Right. And those that do went to prison. Right. Right. And, and those that went to prison, they went to prison for committing crimes. Mm -hmm. So to me. Without like giving away the whole plot of the movie, like, can you just like highlight like a couple of the, the, the things and the themes that were going on? Well, so what I understand of it and you know, what the movie portrays is, um, in the late eighties, um, you have bands like, uh, Bathory and Venom and Celtic Frost that are making like a more extreme version of like, you know, thrash and, and death metal. And like, so those bands are kind of portraying like a darker, more sinister, like overtly satanic version of what metal was like mm-hmm. metal for a lot of people from what I understand, cause I, I'm only 38. So like I'm, I haven't been around since the seventies, let alone been right. listening to metal music since then. But you know, from what I understand, you know, metal kind of started to take on this sort of like, you know, laissez faire, you know, beer drinking, partying up kind of mentality. Right. And like the, the thing about metal and the thing that always appealed to me about metal is that it is darker, more sinister. Like it, you know, it's, it's kind of tough. It's like very egocentric. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very masculine. But anyways, um, you have these, these kids, that's what they are in Norway and, you know, obviously probably other places as well, but specifically in Norway, um, who become very focused on this sort of like evil mentality, like, you know, the image that, um, bands like Venom or, um, you know, guys like King Diamond are kind of, you know, portraying like mm-hmm. they're taking the sort of comical Satanism, comical satanic image mm-hmm. and taking it very seriously. Right. And, um, you know, sort of developing their own sound around that image of evil. And what I, the impression that I get is that they start to believe their own bullshit. Right. You know, they, they take it very seriously and they start to, um, act out outside of music mm-hmm. to promote that sinister view, that sinister look. Like we're taking it a step further, right? Right. Like we're living this life, um, and it's it's a it's a very immature mentality, but it's the one that they chose, right? Um, and there's there's you know desecrating and burning of like thousand year old churches and they kind of justify it not only on the satanic part, but then like, you know, the, the, the Romans and the Christians came in and defiled our, like our natural kind of Celtic or not Celtic, but you know. So it certainly, it certainly doesn't start there, right? right. It it starts, you know, sort of like very image conscious Mm -hmm. and, you know, image forward. And, um, you know, the, the, the acts start to, you know, kind of one up themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have this like loosely knit organization of, you know, m- sort of like metal elitists mm-hmm. that live in Norway or live around Norway. And they start to sort of create their own scene, mm-hmm. right? This black metal scene um, that um, kind of rises up around um, the main character of the movie. Um, he's known as Euronymous around his record store. Mm-hmm. And and he's played by Rory Culkin in the movie who did a really good job. I thought I, it, I thought you know, I, he did a great job. I've I had I made the mistake of of like reading other people's reviews of this movie. Mm-hmm. And um I feel like everyone that is an insider in the metal community 
has been like, oh, this, you know, casting was terrible. You know, nobody likes it, right? Because it's not, it's not their vision. It's just right. a bunch of like surly, pissed off people. Personally, I think he did a great job. Yeah. And having seen pictures of Euronymous, although I never met him, how could I have? Um, I, I think that he, the casting was very well. I, yeah. I think he acted very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you, if you watch this movie objectively, like it is a, it's it's not the greatest movie, but I feel it's, like it's a super interesting movie. Right, though. it's very interesting, and um, I think it, it 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 honestly shows sort of this community exactly the way it was, mm. um, which was a bunch of people kind of like paying heed to their own bullshit, right? Um, and some people being very serious about it, or some people being very disturbed and taking that to another level, mm-hmm. and other people sort of being spurned into seriousness by the actions of other people. Mm-hmm. And to me, when you talk about 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids, mm-hmm. you know, people that are in their 20s or late teens, mm-hmm. they are very impressionable and apt to act in a way that... um like they'll they'll act in a very stupid fashion to get the adoration of those in their community. Yeah, it's tribal. Right. And yeah. and uh very much from reading the book and from watching the movie, I feel like that's something that was portrayed. And a lot of these people, they um to use a British phrase, they kind of took the piss out of these people a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting you're gonna bring that up because I was gonna um say the this movie kind of like, like you said, it's not the greatest movie ever made. Like, I don't think it's going to win a ton of awards, no. but it is interesting. It is entertaining. And I thought it was good. Um, but one of the things that I think made it really kind of special is that it didn't, it doesn't fit like a genre. No. Like when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, you know what this could be? This could be like t- today's version of Dazed and Confused. Because Dazed and Confused came out in the 90s and yeah. it highlighted sort of the silly behavior of teenagers right. in the 70s. And then this movie comes out in like 2019 and it's highlighting the siller behavior of teenagers in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, these are just like a bunch of guys like fucking shit up, right, having a good right. time, drinking, making music. And I didn't know all of the background of what I was about to see. So I didn't know how dark things were going to get. And at first it just seems like just like, you know, a bunch of kids having fun, screwing around, having a good time. And then it takes a turn. And there are parts of the movie that are hilarious and like really funny right there are parts of the movie that are really dark and touching and like very moving there are parts of the movie that are fucking scary like straight out of a horror movie um and then there are other parts of the movie that are like kind of action-packed and really suspenseful right so i think it's like it doesn't fit really into one genre but it's it's really interesting and i and i do want to watch it again um so like just to kind of Without giving things away, but it kind of talks, you know, show highlights these these guys who start this black metal band and the evolution of this band and um, sort of the creation of this scene, like you like you mentioned. But then things just kind of start spiraling out of control and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they get to the point. Some of the band members get to the point where, like, are they actually going to start living and acting on all this bullshit? For and it feels like. Some of them do it because they really believe it, and some of them do it because it's marketing right. for well, their music so, and for their genre. You know what about what I've always felt about a lot of the the um, the sort of like active folks that were um, involved in the black metal genre, especially with all like the church burnings and like the criminal acts. Um, I always felt like 
it was a lot of, I'm going to state this outlandish, crazy belief, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like we, we need to destroy Christianity. We need to, you know, get it out of our land, you know, Satan this or Odin that. I felt like a lot of them said these things because Mm -hmm. they were very shocking, Mm -hmm. but then because they were sort of like being observed by the rest of the tribe, they then had to actually act on mm-hmm. the words that they were saying mm-hmm. to keep people engaged and, and to prove like, to prove like, see, I am the most, you know, I am the evilest or I, I am, am the most, most devoted to yeah. this belief. So I feel like it was a lot of, you know, I, like I kind of relate to this movie in, in some, some form or fashion because like, you know, I had a pretty rough, uh, like adolescent teenage right. period of time. And I feel like it, the same thing, happens with people like in in communities that start doing drugs right. right like 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 oh we all want to go get fucked up and we want to get high okay well what do you do when somebody brings a real drug right right like it's not just we're going to drink a few beers and smoke a little weed but like when someone starts bringing heroin right, right? like or someone brings you know the cocaine or a crack rock like do you yeah. want to still be a, a associated with the tribe or do you want to fuck off right you know are you a poser yeah you know, or yeah. are you, are you true? You know? Yeah. And, but I think that this sort of tribal mentality is not unique to, to this group of people in this movie, but you see it in all walks of life and all cultures Right. when people who are, whose brains are developing, who are getting involved in stuff. Right. right. You see it in gang violence. Um, you see it in, you know, sort of like the, the darker side of fraternity culture. You see it with, with girls um, sort of like participating in unhealthy behaviors around their weight and their yeah. diet. You see it in a lot of communities where it's like, you know, um, and, and I think that, that one of the, the reasons why military organizations have so much success is that they, they really tap into that. Like, I want to belong. I want to be part of right. this. I want to, this is part of the, the culture that I'm adopting right now. And so that's why you get a lot of um, guys who are all in, men and women who are all in that really want to be part of a community yeah. that join the military or maybe they join a, a church or they join, you know, a, a terrorist organization or they join a band or they join like, you know, something even very positive, right? Like right. we all are sort of searching to try and find ourselves. And sometimes early on when you're trying to find your identity, you almost need to take on the garb of a community right. to be able to start to establish who I am. Well, and, and the other thing too, I think it really shows without being overt about it is that, that the whole mentality is huge. It's rampant in the metal community. It's, it, it, it always has been. And ever since I was a kid, you know, there's um, that term gatekeeping, like mm. that's huge, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's in gaming too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It definitely is. I think, I think it's less in gaming and more in metal, mm. but, um, those communities tend to overlap. So, yeah. um, but like, you know, I remember being a young kid being like in junior high school and, you know, getting into metal and people wouldn't people like older people that were into metal. They wouldn't walk up to you and go, Oh dude, that's a badass shirt. What's your favorite song by them? They would go, what's your favorite album by them? You know, like they, they'd yeah. be like, you, you name me, name me three albums that like haven't come out this year. You know, like that's what, that's how it was. It wasn't like, it wasn't that it's cool that you also listen to this band that I listen to. Mm-hmm. It was, do you really listen to this band that I listen to? If so, prove it. So if you can't prove it, you're a fucking poser. That's so funny because 
I've seen you go out in your your battle jacket with like your patches and stuff, and for the most part, or you're wearing like a like a very obscure like t-shirt from a like a metal band or whatever, and like older people, like or you know people in their like twenties or you know older will mm-hmm. will be like, oh, that's awesome, blah right. blah blah. But then similarly, uh, we were out walking last year after you moved here we were like going for a little like exercise or whatever and you were wearing a wu-tang shirt mm-hmm. <laughs> and some fucking little punk who was probably 15 16 year old was like and and the funniest thing is he was just like a little white boy right right and he's like he's like oh you listen to wu-tang dog what what's your favorite what's your favorite album who's your favorite member and he's just like he started like you know like calling you he, calling yeah, you out was, like he, a poser he literally was calling me out and i'm like dude i'm pretty sure nate's been listening to wu-tang since before you Long were born than you were alive and and, and here's the thing like like the way that i present myself as i present myself is i'm a metal fan right but i like Mm hip-hop but i don't like anything halfway right right like you can listen to this podcast you can listen to anything that that i do i don't do anything halfway like i have a very addictive personality you'll go all the way down to the bottom of the rabbit hole until you can't dig anymore it's like it's like not only will i listen to all the wu-tang albums but i'll listen to all the side projects i'll listen to you know everything Mm -hmm. by method man everything by jizza you know i'll i'll find everything you know Mm -hmm. but it's just like it's it's a it seems to me to be symptomatic of youth yeah to very much be like whoa hold up like i just discovered this thing you You can't know more about it i know everything about it what do you know you know, and, and like, to me, that's very indicative of what black metal was at this time. Oh, I've done that shit to people before when I was a kid. I remember specifically. Did it all the fucking time. Oh yeah. I remember a specific time when I did that about SNL when I was like in (laughs) high school and like SNL, like Will Ferrell was on and like all the, you know, that, that whole group. And I thought I was like the fucking expert in SNL. My mom was like, yeah, what about Dan Aykroyd? And I'm like, who, what? I didn't even know he was on SNL back when it started. Right. And I was just like, oh, like I just got schooled. Like you, you really, I mean, it's like it sucks because you don't want to like admit, like I feel old admitting it. But like when you're that age, you don't know anything. Right. And you think you know so much, but it's like right. you think you know a lot because you're finding it out for the first time. Right. Oh man, it sucks. You kind of you, like. You have to go through it though. Right. But you come, you kind of come to those crossroads, especially within like the more unsavory elements where you're like, you're either going to go, oh, maybe I'm a little wrong about this or, you know, maybe, you know, I can just enjoy this without Mm -hmm. like having to live a lifestyle that has basically one ending, which we find in the movie, or, you know, you just go all in and go all out, right? Right. You're you're either in or you're out. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's sad. Like to me, metal has always represented like kind of you know, outcasts and like, yeah. it's a, it's a, mu- it's a music for like sort of m- the mutual beneficial, you know, b- the mutual benefit of all of those involved. Like we're all into kind of crazy music and we all dress weird and have long hair or whatever. But this style of music is very much at the time. I don't know if so much of it is anymore, but at the time was very much like you're a fucking poser unless you like kill a dog or fucking <laughs> a church. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, so yeah. I think in that regard, this movie um, does a very good job of of showing like all of the things that happened in here, like all of the key elements, the lead singer of the band killing himself, the the rumors surrounding like 
the band members collecting pieces of his skull, um, you know, the interviews with the newspapers and like mm-hmm. all of those things, the deaths, the murders, the church burnings, those are all things that happened, mm-hmm. right? Those are all things you can open a history book and read. And I feel like they got the beat of all of those. Yeah. Truth be told, there's no there's no way for them to talk to the people that were involved and get a real straight answer as to what actually happened. Right. right? So they have to cobble together both the story of this book and the story of this movie based on just sort of like a a little bit of creative license Mm -hmm. and what they could cobble together from those that were involved. And I think in that regard, they did a good job with this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of was a little confused though. And and you can you can let me know if you felt this way too, but I was kind of a little confused as to who this movie was made for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because this movie it definitely takes the piss out of metal, right? Kind of is a little like, bit. It yeah. kind of it, it like at shows least, you a mirror and at goes least that group of yeah. Right. However, like the music is like there and yeah. it's it, and it's like to me it's the most metal movie about metal that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying a lot, but like it, it, it does portray like metal and music and it's very fucking brutal. Yeah. Like it is a brutal fucking movie. Yeah. Like there's shit in this movie that you see where like the average audience, like I my would, mom I, and dad would not enjoy this movie. No, I could see someone like if you don't gird your loins and prepare to see something kind of like brutal and gruesome, I could see people passing out from watching it. And that's not the whole movie, though. That's what's weird is that it's just parts of the movie. Right. Parts of the movie are very intense like that. Parts of the movie are like scary like a horror movie. Parts of the movie are hilarious. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know who the target audience was. And maybe that's one reason why they had such a hard time selling it. Maybe that's why it had a limited release. Right, because really the only people that are going to go see this are, are metal fans. And it doesn't, it, it I, I felt like it's simultaneously, it's piss half of them right, off. It, it, it simultaneously shits on and glorifies metal. Yeah. It, well, here, it, it seems to glorify metal, but not the people. Well, I think it would, I think it, it's going to probably, like, time will show. It's going to be, like, more of a cult movie. Yeah, I think. definitely. But I think it's, I, I'm i going to predict this. I think it's a movie that's going to live on, and people are going to continue to watch it. And I think my hope would be that this movie, through the actors who were in it, exposed, like, a new generation of people to heavy metal music. Right. Because that's, here's yeah. the here's the fundamental truth. Like, I had talked earlier about like, uh, you know, my only exposure to black metal was uh, Cradle of Filth, right? And that's just because they were the most popular band at the time making that music, the most commercially viable. Um, But reading this book, I was not encouraged to like go act out the behaviors in this book because Mm -hmm. like I am a person of logic and reason and was like, these fucking people are ludicrous. However, I'd really like to hear the music that these people made. Right. You know, if these people are that gung ho about like, you know, living this ideology, whatever that ideology might be, I'd like to hear what the music they're making is. I'd I'd like to hear their art, right? Like I like my artists to be fucked up, crazy people. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what a lot of these people are. Yeah. And you know, there's people that exist on the fringe of that, that aren't as fucked up, but still make really great music as well. And I would argue made better music. Right. But 
you know, so this turned me on to the music, not necessarily the people. Did the book did or the music? Yeah, the book, book did, did because okay. like as a, as a sort of, you know, early uh, 20s, late teens, you know, American kid living in the Midwest, like I was all about death metal. That's what I knew. Like yeah. I knew, I knew Deicide and I knew Napalm Death and like that was my exposure to metal. Mm-hmm. And I had seen these like these like crazy dudes that wore black and white face paint, but like I didn't know any of the music. Mm-hmm. So this helped me to kind of like explore their music. Right. But also sort of like caution me against like their behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is somebody gets a chance to see this this movie and then they can go and investigate the music made by these people. And hopefully like be influenced by it and make something cool. Right. That's, that's new and different. Yeah. You know, it's black metal is not for everyone. It's, I it's kind of like for, it. It's not even for most people. Yeah. I, but, I, I actually do like it and I prefer it to uh, death metal. Right. So. Yeah. No, I mean, in a lot of ways I do too. You know, it's like for me, the genre of metal um, is so rich with different types of music. Like, you know, I, I feel like wasting energy and time telling people that they're listening to the wrong type of music. Right. I, I feel like that's just a waste. Like spend your time showing people other stuff. Right. You know? Expose people to new things. That's right. the whole point of this podcast. So go check it out. Lords of Chaos is the movie. Um, the book, same title, um, same main title anyway. Um, if you're a book person, go check out the book. If you like movies, check out the movie. It is a little bit long. If I remember the runtime was like a little over two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but go check it out. Um, just, I, I thought that the acting overall was really great. The three actors I just wanted to highlight would be Rory Culkin. Um, he played the main, kind of the main protagonist of the movie. Uh, Emery Cohen, who played sort of the villain, or he plays Varg, who well, you'll have to watch it to find out what happens between Euronymous and Varg. And then um, Jack Kilmer, I think, had a great performance in this. Um, he is Val Kilmer's son, um, and yeah. he played Death in the movie, who is a band member in Mayhem. Um, and he just... It was a really great performance, and um, I don't know anything about Jack Kilmer. I've not seen any of his other movies. I'm guessing that I'll probably correct you before somebody else did. He yeah. played dead. Dead. Sorry, not no, death. Okay. Sorry, dead. Dead. <laughs> I'm sorry, Internet. Please forgive me. Um, but anyway, did a great job. I don't know anything about him, but I'd be willing to bet that a lot of like young preteen girls would be in love with him uh, or are in love with him because he has a beautiful mouth and silky blonde hair. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, so check it out. It's a good movie. Um, and check out that genre of music if you want. So then I had to come like we didn't know for sure if we were going to talk about this movie or not on on the podcast. But, you know, moving sucks. We didn't have time to consume a lot of media. And we already knew that we had this, you know, in our pockets. So I was like, well, I love flogging Molly. Mm-hmm. And they were actually in town very, very recently in Indy. Um, on a concert problem was, was they were performing on a Thursday night and I totally would have gone, I would have gone by myself, but that's shitty because <laughs> I have my best friend to go with, right. but you work third shift I do, and which is rather inconvenient. Yeah. So I knew that like once the opener act ended and they went on stage, we probably would only have about maybe an hour worth of the concert, and then we'd have to peace out so you could yeah. get to work in time. That's the same shit that happened with Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, like. and I, you didn't get to see all of Cannibal Corpse. And, like, I've seen Flogging Molly in concert before. It was the second best concert I've ever been to, um, as far as just, like, how good the music was, how good their performance was, and just, like, the amount of fun I had. It was, I mean, it's number two on my list. Number one is Gogo Bordello, but that's for another podcast. Um, 
And so I really want you to see, I just want you to go experience a whole concert. I didn't want yeah. it to have to be like, it. it's it's worth the money and it's worth the wait for you to get to see them live and get to see a whole show. So we'll wait. Um, but instead, what we did was they had a small documentary, a short documentary, things about maybe an hour and a half that came out about the band um, around, I think, around like 2004, 2005-ish when their third album came out, mm-hmm. Within a Mile of Home. And it's called Whiskey on a Sunday. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube in 10-minute snippets, or I'm sure there's a way you can buy the whole thing. But it was a second disc that came out with their third album. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just a DVD called Whiskey on a Sunday, documentary about the whole band. And so if you're not familiar with Flogging Molly, pause this podcast and go type Flogging Molly into YouTube. And I guarantee you the first thing that pops up will be the song Drunken Lullabies. It's probably their most famous song. And the reason being, I think, is it's one of their more... Mm, accessible songs like even if you don't like celtic punk or punk music or sort of like punk music that pulls in a lot of instruments um traditional instruments like the fiddle and the tin whistle and the mandolin and the accordion um i think a lot of people can still get into drunken lullabies another reason why it's their most well-known and most popular song and this is how I found out about them as a band, is it's the title song from their second album, Drunken Lullabies, but it was also on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. It was one It was one of the songs on that soundtrack. So as you're skating around the city, doing all kinds of flips and tricks, this is one of the songs that comes up in the rotation. So interestingly enough, that's probably why I never heard the band before, because I never played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. Yeah. I played, I think I played one and two. Not so, to delve too deep into the video yeah. game world, but well if you if you if you like kind of if you like punk music, you would probably find out about flogging Molly eventually. Well, right. The, so yeah, it, the, and the I'm Tony, a, I'm the, a fan of punk. Yeah. The, yeah. The Tony Hawk games were always like filled with lots of kind of obscure punk lots bands. of obscure but there was also like not so obscure music like acdc songs were in there like very popular hip-hop songs were in there um but anyway so this this happened to be in tony hawk's pro skater 4 which came out around 2005 ish i think or no came out like 2002 somewhere in there right after i graduated high school i think i got the game as a gift um and i remember being a freshman in college playing the game and, you know, this song would come up, you know, it kept coming up <laughs> in the rotation and I loved, loved, loved it. And I'm like, oh my God. So I, I looked on like the case and it was flogging Molly. And, you know, I, obviously I had the internet then. I could have gone online and like looked up and read all about them, but I didn't. I said, okay, this is flogging Molly. I went to a mm-hmm. record store. I bought the album. I listened to it cover to cover and it changed my life. Like it was so good. Like I was like, oh, oh, this is, this is the music for me because before that, I had been very into, so I was in marching band in high school. I played a couple instruments, I played the drums and the clarinet, the bass clarinet and the trombone for a little while. So mm-hmm. I was a pretty musical teenager, junior high, you know, kid. Yeah. Um, and I, I was, I had a period of time when I was in high school, I we went and lived with my grandparents because they were getting older and needed a little extra help around the house. And uh, my grandparents were from um, East Tennessee. And so my grandpa really, really liked Elvis and Dolly Parton and um, my grandma did too. And listening to Dolly Parton, there's a lot of like mandolins and a lot of banjos and those types of yeah, things. Yeah, like more traditional. More traditional, like, you know, Americana type instruments. And then 
an interesting thing happened. Uh, the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou came out. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, my grandpa loved that movie. My grandma too. And they like really, really liked it. And so like I started listening to, like I, I loved that soundtrack to that movie, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Have you seen it? I haven't. Oh my God, that's another episode. <laughs> so now we have another episode. No, it's, it's actually one of the few Coen Brothers movies I've never seen. So it's it's a great movie and the soundtrack is amazing. And so that movie is responsible for sort of opening up the door for me to start to explore bluegrass music. And as that happened, I started to get more interested in alternative country. Now, keep in mind, I'm still like listening to a lot of Bob Marley and Linkin Park at the time. So I'm not like going all the way down the traditional music, you know, hole. But um, what, what is alternative country? So alternative country would be country that still has like some twang to it. It's very like it's it's it, but it's like the songs aren't and it's not. I think country music that's contemporary country is very like pop heavy and steals a lot from R&B. Alternative country. I'll I'll tell you real quick. The -hmm. the only country I want to listen to is like knee slapping. Like I want to listen to it like deep in the country. Yeah. Right. Where there's like one steel guitar. Yeah. And like three guys playing spoons. Right. That's, that's. The only country so I want to listen to. Yeah, like old school country. It, yeah, I don't want to listen to anybody whose last name is Black or, yeah. <laughs> or you know, anything like that. Right. Like, well, so so I think- The more hillbilly, the better. Right. So alternative country tends to be like, like I, I'm not an expert, but I would say like if he started out today mm-hmm. instead of the early 80s, John Mellencamp probably would be sold and billed as alternative country. Gotcha. Fair enough. So it's 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 definitely like very American, but it's also like there's some traditional music to it, and there's so, like us, but it's less like it's not like I got my truck and my girl and my dog and I'm sad. It's so not that. like kind of like the modern day equivalent of Southern rock. Yeah. Like Molly Hatchet. Yeah. And, and yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like the Allman Brothers. Maybe. I don't know. Because someone's going to know more about it than me and they're going to be like, she's fucking wrong. But well, like, well, I, I just don't, you know, I don't know. But anyway, you know, I got you know really. What they can do? They can go fuck themselves. They, well, I mean, yeah. yeah well, but anyway. I guess I was going to say they could go make their own podcast. Yeah, they should but... go make their own podcast or leave us a comment on Twitter. I don't care what you do. Live your life. Anyway, so the. Uh, <laughs> I started getting into like, you know, bluegrass because of Oh Brother Where Art Thou and listening to that and, um, you know, came across a band called Nickel Creek, which was like, you know, three young people who played, you know, guitar and the fiddle and and mandolin. And I, I really enjoyed it. So I was already primed to to enjoy Flogging Molly because I liked traditional instruments mm-hmm. and I really liked punk music. I was like, the older I got, the more into college I got, the more like... I was kind of like, fuck you, punk music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about like Blink-182 or some 41, kind of more of those popular bubblegum punk bands. But like, I really liked um, uh, the Ramones and mm-hmm. I really liked the Sex Pistols. So like the only punk I knew about was the really old punk that was out of context for me. Because mm-hmm. um, I was just trying to like, I don't know, I just like went through this phase where I'm like, I'm going to listen to everything from the 70s. Yeah. Um, so anyway... Flogging Molly comes into my life and it just like changes everything. And I just go all in on Flogging Molly. Um, But they're definitely like what I would call Celtic punk. It's very angry. It's very fast. There's a lot of guitar. It's kind of raw, but there's like, there's the fiddle. There's the Irish 10 whistle. There's an accordion. And it's like, you may not think 
that an accordion can fucking kick ass and rock. <laughs> but I challenge you that it can, and it does in Flogging Molly. Yeah, it was, so, it was that was one of those bands. I think um, they kind of started to rise to prominence. Like in between, you know, like I, I never had like a punk rock phase, mm-hmm. but like my interests, you know, I, I, I kind of like my metal interests started with thrash, mm-hmm. right? And thrash is like the cousin to kind of punk, punk rock, like yeah. hardcore punk yeah. rock hardcore, anyways. Yeah. And when I was in high school, that's when I started to get into like the Dead Kennedys pretty heavy right. and yeah. uh, Crass and, and Black Flag mm-hmm. and and suicidal tendencies and like so and I liked all of that stuff too but to be honest it was a little too masculine for me yeah, and I and, couldn't relate to and, it and I definitely yeah. like I I like basically where I'm where I'm going with this is like in in like sophomore freshman year of high school I kind of started to get into that and in like industrial music and right. and then by the time like 98 99 started to come around like I had moved out of like my primarily punk phase into like just mostly metal yeah and you know so like things that were coming out that were like punky just kind of like didn't really i didn't really pay attention to you know like the thing about flogging molly is they they were never a commercial band so even though they came out you probably unless you were already listening to that genre wouldn't have heard of them no no and and like i had like i said i i had heard of them and when I hear Flogging Molly, like I could recognize them, but I didn't know any of their songs. Right. It's just not something that I pursued. There were people I knew that were into them, but like their interests were kind of like in a different area than mine were. Mm-hmm. And so I just was kind of like, oh, it's like that weird Irish punk band. Right. Well, by the time I like I, you know, after I had listened to him for like three or four years, like I was like wearing, you know, the combat boots and the ripped up shirts and pins and all kinds of crazy hats and mohawks. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was like I was into it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like I thought it would be interesting to watch the documentary about the band since we sort of watched a not a documentary, but mm-hmm. a movie that was a kind of a documentary about the black metal scene. So here's the other thing too. Like I also would always confuse them with the dropkick Murphys. <sighs> Cause I didn't know, I don't, I don't know the yeah. difference. Like I didn't, I couldn't like tell you which band was which. Yeah. And the dropkick Murphys, I think had more commercial success because they were on the album for the departed. That's the soundtrack for the departed. Yeah. So it, it's, um, it's similar, but it's different. And, and, and here's the thing, it's like, I think flogging Molly, in my opinion, can have universal appeal because the themes they're talking about, even though they're very like Irish and Irish Catholic, um, they're talking kind of from the perspective of human suffering. Like a lot of like, to be mm-hmm. Irish is to suffer, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the songs are about like human suffering and and not really like, there's you listen to Flogging Molly and you listen to the lyrics, there's never anger. There's rage and there's frustration and there can be sorrow and there can be joy in a lot of their songs. But there's not an an overwhelming... I, I, when I listen to Dropkick Murphys and I listen to their songs and their lyrics, it's like if you're not a white dude from Boston, it's, <laughs> it's really hard to get into that 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 band or if you're not kind of like i mean they're very similar sounding but i think that the topics that they deal with are different and when flogging molly has a lot of songs about like history 
right? About like pirates and, you know, um, indentured servitude from Irish people that had to go work in Barbados and the sugarcane fields and that. And it, But it feels right. authentic because the fucking lead singer's from Ireland and he grew up in like a war zone in poverty. And so it's like... He he has context, and I guess he has cultural cred to talk about those things. But when the Dropkick Murphys talk, make a song about like an Irish hero, it's like it's yeah, a bunch I, of Americans I, with Irish heritage well, talking. And it's so I don't know, like it's different. Not to say like I I enjoy the Dropkick Murphys when I right. hear them, but I just love Flogging Molly in a way that I'll never love. Well, the Dropkick you know, Murphys. I'll, I'll tell you this much: like having watched the the. Um, uh, the documentary. I don't know why I couldn't remember that word, but having watched the documentary, you know, very much, I was like, Oh, this is like a hardworking band. This yeah. is like, this is like a band that takes no breaks. Yeah, <laughs> right? They, like they, at least at that time in the early 2000s, and they was, toured relentlessly. I, you, you were like, Oh, it was like the loudest show I've ever been to. Strangely enough, that loudness really comes across on the documentary. Like yeah. I was like, Oh my God, like how is this band who's playing like acoustic guitars and like, playing a, a fucking squeeze box yeah. and she's playing a fiddle and like, how are they that loud? And they are really, really loud. Yeah. And everyone looked like they were having a fucking ball. That was the thing. So the, the one time I saw them in concert, I lost all my chill. Like <laughs> I was having so much fun. It was like a religious experience almost. I mean, I got sweaty. I jumped around and like, you you see people in these footage from these concerts and people are just so joyful. Um, and like, I rem- I'll never forget. I, I had a Guinness and I finished it and then I was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get out. Like, it's not really like, there wasn't really, there aren't really mosh pits. At, well, there are, but it's not like people aren't like punching each other. Like right. they do at like a metal show or some other punk shows. It's just like people running around in a circle and trying to, you know, whatever. It's the same, same thing at, at similar bands like Gogo Bordello or, a similar feel where it's like, if you go out there, you, you probably get elbowed in the gut, but like no one's trying to elbow you in the gut. Yeah. But anyway, I remember I went out, I like just, you know, was just having like, I was, just, it was pure joy. And I remember Dave, the lead singer, cause it was, you know, it's a, it's, it was a club, right? It was the same club where we saw Cannibal Corpse oh, at, the um, Vogue. at the Vogue. Uh, I remember I made eye contact with Dave, the lead singer, and I must've just looked so ridiculous that he, no joke, made eye contact back with me and just kind of like <laughs> did one of these where he just kind of like smiled and shook his head and kept singing. Like he was just like, he just like didn't, he was just like, oh, these nerds. Like that's what it <laughs> felt like. Like, I, and I had so much fun and uh, I would love to see them again. And and it was just, it was one of the happiest moments of my life was going to that concert. Yeah, I mean, seeing it play lie, like here's the thing, like, you know, again, I identified earlier as like, I'm metal first, but like, I'm actually just music first, right? Yeah, like, me I too. Just, like the, the fact of the matter is there's so many different types of good music out there that I've never heard, that I've never experienced. You know, it's like food. There's so much good food out there I've never <laughs> experienced. Yeah. Like, you, you, and like- there's no way to ever eat it all up. Mm-hmm. And I think like holding people out and being like, you're not cool enough or you don't know enough to enjoy this music is insane. Right. Like why, if something is beautiful and amazing and stirs you, right? why would you ever want to keep it for yourself? Why wouldn't you want to share that with other people? And, you know, watching the, the band, here's the thing. If you track down this documentary and you watch it, 
there's one part where the lead singer talks about the experience having to like stay in America not being able to get back into Ireland mm -hmm. and like the time that went past and like this stuff with his mom. Mm -hmm. If you don't have, if it doesn't stir something in you, like mm -hmm. you don't have a heart. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I was like, Oh my God. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine. Did you want to call your mom? I did immediately. Yeah. I wanted to call my mom. <laughs> it's like, it's like being far away from family, being far away from people you love really sucks. Yeah, it does. And that's the thing what I what I meant when I was talking earlier. Like I feel like the themes in Flogging Molly's music are are really universal. Um, the music is not going to be accessible to everybody. Like some people will be like, "Oh my god!" Like I don't need to hear a fiddle. Like I don't need to hear like an Irish fiddle. Like okay, this is you know it's, right. like some people are just aren't gonna aren't gonna get it and they're not gonna like it and that's totally fine. But I think if you look at the spirit behind all their lyrics, you know they put a lot of thought into the songs that they make and they really believe them. In it, and they're an incredibly hardworking band, and they're an incredibly successful band. But they're not a band you're probably ever going to hear on the radio ever. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that's okay because they're doing good work and they're happy and they have a lot of integrity. And one of the one of the members of the band in the documentary, he says, you know, I, you know, they're early in the documentary and they're kind of introducing all the different people. And um, I think it's Nathan who is the bass player. He's saying, like, I don't know what you would call our music. He's like, I would call our music soul music, but you're probably never going to see us at a record store next to Aretha right. Franklin. And I'm like, that's it's soul music. Well, and, and that's it spot stirs on. you. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's spot on because, like I had mentioned, I was like, it's punk music, but it's not. Right. It's traditional Irish music, but it's not. Right. It's straight up rock and roll music, but it's not. Right. Like, it's all of those things, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, for me, their sound is not something that would have immediately like drew me in, mm -hmm. but after having listened to them a little bit, seeing that documentary, like I certainly want to know more. Like right. I want to listen to more of their music. I want to see them live. Like and there was a period of time where I just kind of like, I gave up going to live shows. I was just like, I'm over it. I don't, I don't care anymore. Like I don't give a shit about live music. I don't want to stand around a bunch of sweaty people and be uncomfortable, but um, you know, over the last like five years or so, my mentality has changed. Like now I want to go to shows. Like right. I want to experience live music because the truth of the matter is in this digital age, the only way we really get to experience what good music is and be really moved by good music is by going and seeing people perform it mm -hmm. like digital music and just like we can get music anywhere. Yeah. Right. There used to be a day and time where you could sit down and put some headphones on and have like a really moving experience. And you probably still could today, but not to the same degree as seeing a band put their heart and soul into their music to present it to yeah, someone. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, analogous to seeing a movie in the theater that was meant to be seen in the theater, yeah. right? Like, you know, watching, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but watching, you know, the Marvel, the most recent Marvel movie where right. Thanos kills everyone. What's that one called? Uh, Avengers. Marvel. Something. Thanos kills everybody. You know what about. we're talking about. You see that in the theater and you're like, oh, and you see it on TV and you're like, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's still cool. It's still cool. You know, right? It's still you're great. Like, oh, but, but seeing it in the theater, like especially those movies, mm -hmm. like those major big budget, you right. know, nine billion dollar movies you want to go see in a theater and feel the sound yeah. and really see because it when like, they made that movie they made it with the intention that you would see it that way right. and like i think there's some bands that you listen to them and they sound exactly the same when you go see them in concert and that's good there's other bands 
where they sound a little bit different, but their performance is 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 worth the is right. worth you going. And Flogging right. Molly is a band where it the 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 musicianship is incredible, and their performance is just it's so fucking hard. Right. Like they're so good, and they're such good musicians. Um, yeah, yeah I, the same I, thing with Ghost. Oh, I was just gonna say yeah, that. Like, like that, they're, that's they're, creepy, actually. Because yeah. I was just gonna say that. Like, I liked Ghost when I heard them, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, Ghost is pretty cool." You know, I like I heard their first album, I heard their second album, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of fun," but whatever. I was kind of indifferent. But going and seeing them live, mm-hmm. I was like, "This fucking band they, is they they play their asses off." Yeah. That is a tight band. Yeah, and they put on a performance. They put on a show. Mm-hmm. There's there's never been a band that I've gone to see live that I felt like was just going through the motions. And I think I've been very fortunate that way. Well, that's not true. I have seen one band uh, in concert, and this is going to piss a lot of people off, but uh, there's one concert I saw where it did feel like the band was going through the motions, and I think it's because of the... uh, (laughs) the, I've I've seen... (laughs) Because because of the town they were playing, and I think it was a warm-up show for bigger shows. But okay, this is going to make some people mad. But I saw Metallica once, uh-huh. and I was not impressed. I saw them one time, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and part of it was because Godsmacked opened for them, and they fucking kicked ass. Which and is I wasn't hard even, to believe, because Godsmack even, is awful. I wasn't even a Godsmack <laughs> fan, but I was like, oh, I can get behind this performance. It was really good. And then like Metallica came out. And they were like good, but it kind of just felt like they were just like, okay, well, it's a Thursday. We're in right. Fort Wayne, Indiana. No one gives a fuck. And it, it was just, it wasn't an amazing it's, performance. Truth be told, you can't be that big of a band and expect that every performance is going to be amazing. But I've seen bands that were clearly going through the motions. I've seen like big death metal bands where I like, like in the early 2000s. Um, you know, I, it was a big deal for me to be able to like afford to go to a show and right. like save up money for the show. And I got to buy a t-shirt because yeah. I want to support the band. And I saw one of the, I won't name, but a, a satanic death metal band from Florida. Okay. That is a relatively big name in the, in the death metal world. Oh, so I'm going to call it Metallica. Are you afraid you're going to get hit or something? No, 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 no. So, so I, uh, I went, I went and saw Deicide and, uh, they're like, they're a band that I, I really had enjoyed since I was a kid. Um, and, uh, yeah, they just got on stage and kind of just slogged through a couple of their songs and like didn't play them as fast as like they were on the record and mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, they were the headliners too. So like we, we sat through with these other bands and they got on and kind of like jerked off and mm-hmm. left. And I was like, Oh, that was yeah, kind of well, disappointing. And it's like, you know, every band, like you said, especially like I'm sure flogging Molly's had like bad shows where people are like, eh, well, maybe they haven't. I don't know. I would like to believe they haven't, but it's like, yeah, if you're touring and you're playing five nights a week or more, and you've, you know, you're, you're living your life in different time zones yeah. every day. You're going to have one or two shows that just kind of suck. Yeah. And it sucks to be the people that are at that show, but it's like, you know, you just got to put on your big boy pants and go out and try to do that, be- you know, better the next day. It's the same thing with like sports teams or just fucking any day at work, right? right. Like you're going to have a day yeah, at work every once in a while that's just like fucking useless. It's just like these podcasts. Like, you know, we, we try to like sit down and talk about things we enjoy and really like, you know, and give something good but sometimes it's just like it's a shit topic or you're just not feeling it and you Mm -hmm. put out a shit thing like it happens but i i would say by and large it's rare i feel like 
you know, every once in a while you're going to see a bad movie in the theater. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while you're going to have a band play a shitty show on a bad night. Yeah. But for the most part, it's going to be worth it to go and experience those yeah. things. So I'm I'm an advocate of live music. I yeah. definitely think for no other reason than just su go support the artist, whether it's a small band like Shroud of Vulture uh -huh. or, you know, your buddy who plays jazz saxophone <laughs> right, at, the, right. at the local jazz kitchen in your city or something like that. Go support um, art and go support live music. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the take home message is, uh, you know, just, just try new things. And I, yeah. I, and I would say support the art. Um, but, I think it's important too to separate the art from the artist sometimes. Oh man, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. That's the thing that's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah, right? it really is. It's, because it's really difficult to take the stance that like, I just like the art, but I don't like the artist. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a whole, all the R. Kelly stuff and all the Michael <laughs> yeah. Jackson stuff and yeah. all the Bill Cosby stuff. And yeah. there are smarter, more philosophical people uh, Dave Chappelle, who's commented <laughs> on these things um, that you should go check out. I, you know, that's a that's a topic for it another leaves podcast. You, it leaves yeah. you for something to think on. Yeah. You know, can you support the art and separate them from the artist? That's really hard. I mean, like, I yeah, do I enjoy mean, listening to Burzum. You However, have to, you have, <laughs> if you listen to black metal, yeah, you have to go, I listen to black metal, but I'm not a fascist Nazi I'm not a this, I'm not a that. You you have to. Well, the same thing is like, look at how popular anything Cthulhu is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how popular everything. H.P. Lovecraft was a fucking ridiculous racist. Not even just like he was a man of his time. He was a fucking racist. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can say like, like, oh, yeah, my grandpa fought in World War II and he used the N-word every once in a while. He was the man of his, no, no, a man he, of his time. He, no, H.P. Lovecraft like was like <laughs> seriously yeah, a racist. Right. So, you know, next time you're playing Arkham Horror, Think about that a little bit and just make sure yeah. you're cool with it. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, it's it's up to you, the individual, to reconcile how you do that. But like I, I have to say, like, there's a couple of really good Burzum albums and I really like them, mm -hmm. but I fucking can't stand the guy who made the music and mm -hmm. he's a piece of shit. Well, there's like that the same thing happened. Well, there's a time where I absolutely couldn't separate the art from the artist and uh I, I it sucks too because um I I really wanted to read Mists of Avalon and I can't even remember the author's name but she's died and uh, after her death her daughter came out and said that she sexually abused her and then I like was listening to the audiobook and I'm like I can't I can't listen mm -hmm. to this knowing that she's even been accused of that right, right. that's fucked up cuz like she's not around to defend yeah. herself but at the same time it's like well I, I can't now I can't yeah so, so I, don't know. I mean I, I would say this if you're if you're the type of person where you can't separate the art from the artist you should probably avoid black metal that's that's yeah. going to be a, an issue for you because, yeah or if you don't like metal yeah if yeah. you don't like metal don't yeah if uh, let me I'll just put it to you this way if you don't already know what black metal is you're probably not going to like this movie well that's not fair you, you may like the I, movie for what it is but I, you won't like the music that the movie came from true but I don't think you're going to be. I think it's like you know. Okay, maybe. But I would say if you're if we've piqued your interest at all, watch the trailer and decide for yourself. Because you know, remember Rachel's blue cheese philosophy. Mm -hmm. You know, try things again every couple of years just to make sure that your tastes haven't changed. Yeah. You know, uh, we could change this to Rachel's licorice philosophy. <laughs> I used licorice. to hate licorice, and now yeah. I freaking love licorice. I, I actually didn't mind licorice when I was a kid. I really it makes me kind of nauseous now, but. Um, oh man, I could just like fucking eat blue cheese and licorice all day long. Ugh. 
What's the matter with me? I drank too much Jägermeister when I, need I was to, in my 20s. That's I didn't drink I any licorice. Jägermeister. <laughs> You've done yourself a great service. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like beer or water. I had a fucking Jägermeister problem. Why, problem. why did you like it so much? I don't know. Because it was like... Was it like a thing? Because it, it like Jägermeister doesn't get you drunk. It like fucking changes you <laughs> it it's not i you know anybody that that drinks like dark liqueur mm. no thanks. can attest to like it it fucks you up one yeah. time i had zambuca and it's kind of got that licorice yeah. anise flavor star anise flavor and i was like no thank you but now i'd probably really yeah, like it i don't know i i if you bring a bottle of jägermeister into my home we're gonna have to have a talk I don't, it's not something that's allowed. It's, is it because you can't resist it or because no, you're just no, like. No, I have no problem resisting oh, it. Oh, you're if like you, that. Some people are like that with tequila. If you throw black licorice yeah. enough times, you'll, you'll get it. You'll lose the, the taste for it. Trust me. Well, see, that's good. I never, I wasn't like a big drinker when I was younger. So I still like everything. <laughs> like tequila, bring it on. Yeah. Uh, first thing that ever I got sick drinking was uh, um, not, uh, not tequila, but uh, mezcal. Mm. Uh, basically it's the stuff that's got the worm in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've had it once. Yeah. Never have it again. Never have it again. Nope. I've actually never been ill the next day after drink. I've never thrown up from drinking. I've had, uh, I've had hangovers that have lasted two days. I've had hangover. Well, I've had, I see, here's the thing. I didn't have a hangover until I was in my late twenties. Um, and, uh, I think it was only because I didn't drink enough water. Before I met you. Um, and I may have told this story on a podcast, but, uh, I don't know before I met you, um, my brother and his family are kind of like, you know, they're decent drinkers. And, uh, I was just like down in the dumps or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to drive out to my brother's house and I'm going to drink. <laughs> I, feel like so I, I bought story. like two bottles of really cheap wine. Yeah. Um, like about 20 bucks total. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that is pretty cheap. Yeah. And I had, uh. Like a, just a red solo cup, mm-hmm. and I was just filling the red solo cup, and just drinking wine, mm-hmm. and like within forty five minutes to an hour, I had downed both bottles of wine oh my God. to the point where I was like, "Why am I even pouring it in a cup? I might as well just drink it straight out of the bottle." And I was pretty fucked up. Like yeah. I was, I was stumble drunk. I was, I was, you know. And then people are like, "Hey, do you want a beer?" And by the time you're two bottles drunk in an hour. Like, sure, just give me the beers. So I start throwing like Budweiser's on top of it. Mm. And uh, so that night was a projectile vomit night. That was a standing up puking. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that was, uh, that was like a two day hangover. Uh, I was, I was wrecked that night. I I passed out because like I couldn't Mm -hmm. fucking drive. Um, Got up, was totally hungover, drove home, laid in bed, ate fucking greasy mcdonald's food and just passed out for the entire day and woke up the next day and had what a normal hangover would be for most people wow yeah i was wrecked so i've only had one very very small hangover i just like went out drinking with a group of people we had dinner mm-hmm. and you know that woke up the next morning and, yeah i think i had wine and i might have had like a beer or two later and wasn't even drunk when i got home i wasn't driving someone was driving me i wasn't even drunk when i got home but i didn't do my due diligence before i went to bed i was just like brushed my teeth went to bed woke up the next morning with like i didn't know what it was i was like oh my head hurts oh i feel dizzy i feel a little nauseous i kind of just like oh i don't feel good i think i'm getting sick and the person i was living with was like you have a hangover stupid i'm like this is what this is oh this is terrible i was like 28 i had no idea and uh but i i've only been like blackout drunk a couple times but i've never thrown up Mm -hmm. 
I'm just, I just don't, I'm not a big drinker. My yeah. grandpa was an alcoholic and it always kind of scared me. I so went, I've never uh, really gone too hard into drinking. I went a really long time without throwing up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, by the time I started to hit like 25, 26 years old. That's the thing. Your shit changes after you hit yeah. 25, 26. Uh, like the way it I first. It really changed it at cha- 30. Oh my God. It's like, not only can you not just eat a lot. But like you're, you're, you're the the quantity of meat you can consume in a single sitting goes way down, and the amount of alcohol you can drink, like it's those two things just go away at well, thirty. You know, and the other thing that I noticed too is that like if uh, like now you know last time I drank on New Year's and like I was great, like, not- but I was great like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I would have been fucking demolished the next day. And it's just, I eat better, I exercise, and I drink water. Yeah. And those are things I didn't do before. Right. And if you don't keep up like with the health of your body, your body needs a lot longer to recover. Here's the thing that like a lot of people, I think, realize, realize a little too late in uh, maybe like they hit 45 and they, they figure it out. But here's the truth. Um you're pretty much, you start dying from the moment you're born. <laughs> and it starts to become like evident around 29, 30, 31. Yeah. And so if you don't start taking measures at in your early 30s to make sure that you can maintain your health, and that means just like doing a little bit of exercise, yeah. eating a little less of whatever, you know, McDonald's fast food, and you start developing habits in your 30s, because we all have bad habits in our 20s. We ate whatever we wanted. We drank whatever we wanted. Right. We slept never. Um, we never drank water. You can't do that shit. When you hit 35, if you don't already like have like a little bit of a routine and a moderately healthy diet, yeah. by the time you hit 42, you're not going to like, it's going to be hard to crawl out of that. Yeah. You almost yeah. have to exercise just so you can like stay mobile. Your, and you're going to start to have health problems yeah. too. Yeah. Like, Boy, I, I noticed it like, yeah. you know, when I started. Got into my thirties, like mm-hmm. you know, you go see a doctor and they're like, uh, you're gonna die soon. So yeah. you should probably stop this. Yeah. You know, you can be like <laughs> you're like, No, I'm I'm thirty seven, I'm fine. And then you're like, Oh wait, didn't so and so die of like a heart attack last year? Oh, yeah, didn't this person get type two diabetes? That'll like, really throw that shit into perspective when you start fucking, having people you went to high school with die of heart attacks. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Perry just died of a stroke. And I was like, What? He's like thirty. And I was like, No, no he's, he's like fifty two. Yeah. But he's only fifty two. Yeah. He's only 52. So what we're saying is, listen to black metal a little bit. Listen to Flogging Molly a little bit. Uh, take good care of your body and, uh, you know, eat a fucking apple. I think really the truth is, and what, I want to, uh, what I've always wanted to establish with this podcast is very simple. Don't give yourself excuses not to do things. Yeah. Go and enjoy every possible time you have. Don't let life's responsibilities get in the way of occasionally taking a break and enjoying something, mm-hmm. whether it's a game, a movie, a band. Mm-hmm. Get out and do shit because you only get one shot. And do shit with people you love. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, you know, sit down with your your teenage kid and watch Lords of Chaos. You know, have your... Watch your five-year-old freak out and have fun listening to flogging while they jump around right. the living room. You but know? most importantly, do something that's not in your comfort zone. Yeah. Enjoy something that isn't something you've spent dozens of years enjoying. Mm-hmm. Go see a band you don't know. Right. With someone you love. Right. So anyways, that was preachy. But, it was, uh, sorry. <laughs> but, was you it know, preachy? Yeah, you know, a little bit, but you know, fuck it. This is our podcast. I mean, yeah. Say whatever the fuck I want. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, what do we got coming up next, do you think? Uh, I have no idea, but oh, I think we made a list, didn't we? We did make a list. Uh, I think what's kind of coming up next might be 
Um, oh, I have it on the list of things tabs. Yeah, so I so know. It looks like uh, we're, I, I made you watch, uh, we're halfway through watching Black Beauty. Yeah, uh, the, the, the um, Disney classic. It's not a Disney movie. I don't yeah, think. Is bet it your Disney? ass it is. Well, we'll find out. I'll do some research. You don't need to do um, the research. I already know. Oh, okay. I already know. And then he's having me watch this movie called Dance with the Devil that apparently no one's ever ever heard of before. Yeah. We're also going to watch, um, I believe, one of our uh, listeners and friend, Mike, I think you were the one who recommended that we watch Gattaca. We've also gotten some feedback that you guys really, really like the sci-fi episode we did on Blade Runner and Star Trek. So uh, we're going to try to incorporate more sci-fi going forward. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will be watching Johnny Mnemonic in the future. Johnny Mnemonic. I can't say it. It's okay. Uh, and then we're going to uh, watch Gattaca. But in the episode where we watch Gattaca, we're going to go ahead and do one of those ancestry testing things. No, it's not a Disney movie. I don't know. What I told you it wasn't about. a Disney movie. You're right. Black Beauty. It's not a Disney See, movie. I, I misjudged you. I just assumed based on how saccharine it was, it was a Disney movie. You're not finished with it. I you am, might still I am not, like it. I am not. There is so much more that can happen. It's a, it's a Warner Brothers movie. I don't fuck I'm talking about it. That's why we have the internet. Well, that'll be on an upcoming podcast. We're also going to be reading a couple books, uh, doing some ancestry tests. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. I'm going to have Nate do the ancestry test. We're going to send it off. We're going to get our results back. And then I'm going to have him watch Gattaca so he can freak the fuck out <laughs> and be like, who's going to steal my genetic information? Yeah. They're going to make a superhuman. I, I, I've never <laughs> seen Gattaca. It's a good I don't movie. know if I mentioned that, but yeah, I've never seen it. Well, now I got to add, uh, you know, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou somewhere. Right. That's I've never seen that. Too. All right. Um, yeah, so the um, next episode, hopefully, will be Black Beauty mm-hmm. and a movie called Dance with the Devil that has nothing to do with it. And if anybody has seen Dance with the Devil, please like send us a message on Twitter. Yeah. Because I'm curious, because it's a pretty obscure movie. All it's, right. uh I'm not going to tell you anything about it, because... Um, you want me to experience it with virgin eyes? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's a very random, obscure... It's, it's like a freaked... Did you ever see a movie called Freaked? Is that with puppets? Um, kind of. Um, basically, um, what's his name? The dude from Bill and Ted's uh, um, Winters. Keanu uh, Reeves? Well, n- the other one. The blonde one. I yeah, don't know the blonde his name. One. Um, it's a movie that I believe he directed and he stars in where he plays like a child actor who is hired to like promote this weird chemical Mm. And he flies to Central America and then they end up in a circus and he gets mutated by this chemical. And it sounds like a dream. It's a fucked up movie. Yeah. But anyways, it's it's a lot. It's like obscure so kind of like. Dance with the Devil is similar like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, well, so, yeah, let's, let's. How do you want to end this podcast? We've kind of. Thanks talked, guys for listening. Yeah. Thanks everybody. I'm, I'm Rachel. Wait, 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 say it again. Yeah. I interrupted you. You were like, I'm Nate. And I was like. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I don't know if they heard your name. Who I are think, you? I think we should just end the podcast now. folks, this is Rachel from UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you enjoyed the Playing Hooky podcast, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, videos, and gaming, go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter, at Hooky Podcast. On Instagram and Facebook, at our Utility Muffin Labs name. And support us on YouTube, at Utility Muffin Labs. Check out our other gaming-related podcasts, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and the Nerd Words Podcast. Thank you all for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate. Adequate.